Hey, it's Anna Sale, and I want to thank you for listening to Death, Sex, and Money, where I explore the big questions and hard choices that are often left out of polite conversation. You can hear new episodes ad-free every week on Amazon Music, where you can find Death, Sex, and Money and all of your Slate favorites without the ads. I want to thank you for listening and for all your support as we at Death, Sex, and Money have made our move to Slate. Your stories, voice memos, and emails have meant so much to the team. As part of this transition, there's a new way to support our show financially at Slate, our new home. And you'll get something special in return. Subscribe to Slate Plus, and you'll not only support our work on death, sex, and money, you'll get access to new benefits, including listening to us and all of the other great shows Slate makes, like Slow Burn and Dakota Ring, without any ads or sponsor breaks. To subscribe, just click Try Free at the top of the Death, Sex, and Money show page on Apple Podcasts or visit slate.com slash DSM plus to get access wherever you listen. Thanks. When I look back, I have no regrets. Looking forward, I want to make it more meaningful, centered towards what I want, mm-hmm. what makes me happy. That's what I'm figuring it out. And I thought it would be like this, but it's not. I have to work hard at it. This is Death, Sex, and Money. You don't love me anymore, do you? The show from WNYC about the things we think about a lot. (laughs) You people will be the death of me. And need to talk about more. Quit my job, burned all my bridges. I'm Anna Sale. I first met Uma Kondabolu three years ago. She and her son, the comedian Hurry Kondabolu, were guests at a live Death, Sex, and Money show in Brooklyn. And afterwards, Uma and I exchanged cell numbers. Every once in a while since then, she'll shoot me a text, checking in on me or asking for pictures of my kids. Hearing from her always makes my day. But I hadn't seen Uma in person for a couple of years, until two weeks ago when I was in New York. What's new? What's new? That was a lot. I was thinking a lot has changed since I saw you. I was pregnant with my first child when I met Uma. And since then, I've moved to California and just recently spent six months away from the show after having my second kid. Yesterday was my very first day back from maternity leave. How was it? It was okay. I'm trying to just notice. I know I had, like, I felt myself almost cry like three or four times. Uh But not like a sad cry, just like, oh. Oh, Yes. Yeah. You know why after knee surgery, I took six months off? Uh Uh-huh. I felt so different going back and it takes a couple of days to feel your feet, so you'll be fine. (laughs) Uma is a reassuring presence. But that's not the only reason I wanted to talk with her right when I got back from maternity leave. I also wanted to ask about her recent work transition. In March, she retired from her job at a hospital lab. She's 66 and had been working there for nearly 30 years. Did you have a retirement party? At work, they did. What was it like? Oh, my. It's a little embarrassing. I don't know. People say nice things when you are leaving. (laughs) You you won't be there to bother them. (laughs) One thing I was thinking about... With timing of big work transitions, um, you know, with something like when you're pregnant, once you're pregnant, you don't really get to control when you leave work. You leave work when 
the baby's yes. ready to come. For you, how did you know it was time to retire? You're not interested anymore with the progress you have. And you think, I have been there, done that. I need something else. I have so much more to offer elsewhere. And where I am now, I think I'm done. When you decided to retire, would you think ahead to when you wouldn't have to go to work with excitement or dread or a combination of the two? No, I'm very calm. Last six months, I knew like time is coming. Even today, didn't miss a day of the work. You haven't missed it? No. I left on the right time on my terms when I'm ready. But now I have energy and I think I want to do more. And what is it I want to do? Where my interests are? And I'm looking into myself for the first time. The first time? First time. Like away from work. I know what I am at work. As an elderly person, retired person, who am I? But I don't know. I still need to figure it out. You just said as an elderly person. Is is that a way you would have described yourself before you were retired? Past one year, I feel that. <laughs> You've been elderly for a year? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> until, until then, I'm like, oh, I thought, oh, I was too young for this and that. All of a sudden, one day, I thought, oh, damn, I'm old. <laughs> Work transitions, no matter when they happen in your career, can cause big identity shifts. When I started my maternity leave at the beginning of this year, we asked you to send us photos that represented changes with work that you've been through. We shared them on Instagram, along with your stories about how making career moves can bring up lots of feelings. Did I do the right thing? Did I make the right choice? I wasn't very happy. Ultimately, what drives me is not getting bored. What do I want and how do I avoid this situation in the future? (sighs) All these things changing and all these pressures being added on. I've always thought I would just figure it out. Stefania in Philadelphia sent in a picture of her old diaries where she'd written about her dream. Of being a cheesemonger. (laughs) She quit her job as a graphic designer to fully enter the cheese world. I was terrified. I'm a mid-30s mom working at a cheese shop surrounded by basically what I think of as kids in their early 20s. But I have so many more moments now that I changed my career of like the butterfly moments. It's that feeling in my stomach of like, I'm, I'm doing the right thing. Tim in St. Petersburg, Florida, sent in a picture of the long scar running down his arm from a double bypass surgery he'd had weeks before. At the time, he was about to return to his job in computer programming. I'm the sole breadwinner in the family, so an extended leave wasn't in the cards. Um, Five weeks later, my employer eliminated my position with two hours' notice. Um, I spent about another six weeks in a low-grade panic until I found another job. Maybe someday... I'll forgive them, but for now, I still hope their building burns to the ground. (laughs) Um, During my job search, I kept my illness and recovery to myself. Uh, As a gay man, I've had to overcome significant prejudices. I thought after 29 years in this business, I'd be past having to deny something in order to keep in the running for a job or to keep a job. It turns out I still have to. 
The things that I hide have just changed from my sexuality to my health history and my age. And Kim from Columbus, Ohio, quit her job as a marketing director to travel the world for a year with her husband. But now they're back, and she's not sure what to do next. For now, she's teaching English online to children in China for a few hours a week. I made a little less money than my husband before our trip, but now we're basically relying solely on his income. I feel a lot of guilt for not being a quote-unquote productive member of society, which I know is BS, but it's so ingrained in me that it's hard to get rid of. I was climbing the corporate ladder as of a year ago, and I look at that path now and I don't want it, but not being on it still feels like failing. Have you thought about money and making the shift from earning to now having retirement? Um, no. We have a roof over our head and we can eat something. We have both pensions. And we are fine. Congratulations. Thank Two you. pensions. Two pensions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so we are okay. For Uma, it isn't making less money or being off a career path that feels destabilizing. It's the time she's left with in her job's absence. First month was fine. I was walking around the house as if I never... I never saw the house uh-huh. and a lot of TV. But second month, I, I, I'm restless now. So what's your daily routine like? Hmm. Wake up, have coffee, watch news. Most of the time I'm reading a lot. What are you reading? My mother tongue, some novels and books and like essays. Uh-huh. Because I... I don't want to lose it mm-hmm. because I, I I started writing short stories. You did? Uh, yeah. I, I just started like last week. What, uh, what language are you writing in? Telugu. Telugu. And have you written short stories before? I, I did. Um, I dabbled with it. Uh, but when I was doing it, I have no life experience. You were a young woman. A young a long woman. Time ago. Yes. And now, like, I have... A whole lot more angles to one problem. Hmm. I can see my way and their way and other people's way. You I said th- angles to one problem. I like that. That's what comes with living. I like that. Uh, thank you. Are you sharing your writing with anyone or is it private? It's in so far, no. Uh, I wish my kids can read my mother tongue. Unfortunately, they can only speak a little bit. So... I have a couple of friends I want them to read. Not yet, though. Uma told me she just started working on a story set in India in the early 1970s, the same time she was in college there. It's about two university students, a man and a woman, who go out one night together and end up having sex. He just, he didn't force himself on her, but they slept together in Indian standards that's not done. Uh-huh. They're just friends. They're not married or engaged. She's not averse to him. But she felt hurt by his liberties and his way of thinking. And until that time, I could write it well. After that, I couldn't. If I were living now there, it would have been easy for me to finish it. Uh But now I know so much more. And... My morality of what's right and wrong 
it was so one-sided at that time. Now it's not. When you were there at that time, you had a you had a certain value system from yes. having grown up a young woman in yes. India. Yes. Yes. Now you're 66, having spent having spent more most than, of my life here, and you're revisiting sex my, consent. Yeah, in my college days, literally. Uh huh. I love that. That's what you're doing right now. That you're going back and you're thinking about all of these layers of convention and rules and freedom and autonomy and sorting through what is proper, that you don't quite know what is proper. I think that's very interesting. I like the way you put it. (laughs) You put it. (laughs) (laughs) So I need time uh, to come to a reasonable conclusion. Does it feel pleasurable to have that time? It is. I'm glad. It's interesting because when you first started describing retirement, you said that you're feeling a little... Restless. Restless. But then you're now also describing yes. how nice it is to Retire, not have things because to do. Because there is no stress. But I felt like it's time is being wasted. Whatever time I have, six years, ten years, whatever it is. I want to do something. Every day last is last from that goal. The pull between these two things is a little confusing. What you're describing, that ambivalence, sounds a lot like um, what I'm feeling with working parenthood, of like feeling that um, intense pull to be, just be there with them, and then also feeling... That's so normal. I love my work, but it's can, it can be a little, it's like when you get to like, okay, I'm feeling both of these things that are the opposite, and they're both true. Yes. But so what do I do? <laughs> you know, I imagine for you, it's like, so do I push myself to do something and start something, or do I let myself relax and enjoy the time? You know what, Anna? Age is on your side. <laughs> so from your point of view, I honestly think you can do both. And uh, you need to decide how much is enough for you. Being with children, never enough. Work, there is limits. Although, I got a text from Arthur this morning. Uh My first night away from Eve, the little baby, six months old. First night I'm away from her, she slept 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. without waking up. Lucky him. (laughs) Which she's never done before. (laughs) Eve was ready for a break from mom. She's Uh, like, yeah. Or maybe she knew that Arthur is not that capable as mom. I'll just sleep. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, poor dad. <laughs> Coming up, Uma talks about the plans she and her husband are making for their future and the things they don't see eye to eye on. Do you think whether to return to India could be a source of conflict between you two? No, I'll try. But If I can't stay there, I can come back. For me, we don't need to live together. He can enjoy his time there. When he's ready, he can come back. (laughs) 
Our show turned five years old while I was out. Happy birthday, Death, Sex, and Money. We have made nearly 200 episodes so far, and you can find a list of your fellow listeners' favorites on our website at deathsexmoney.org slash starter kit. As we enter our next five years, we have a new look. Check out our new logo wherever you listen to us. We are very into our new yellow selves. And part of the joy for me of being back at work is getting to regularly dip into our email inbox to read your reactions, story ideas, or things you just want to share with us. You can reach us anytime at deathsexmoney at wnyc.org. That's how we met the brother and sister in our next episode. They emailed us after they had a conversation where they admitted to each other that they both have eating disorders. Did you feel like you were, like, coming out to each other? I did. I felt like I was coming out. Yeah, I mean, I I think we'd both kind of seen disordered eating in each other, but this was finally, like, pointing a finger at it and saying this is a thing that exists. This episode is brought to you by Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he will chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalyst for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. This is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. I'm Anna Sale. Uma Kondabolu's husband retired around the same time she did, which means they are now spending a lot more time at home together. As a husband and wife, I don't think I, uh, we know each other that well, I realized. Wow, because you've been busy. Busy, and kids took priority, life took priority, and our interests took priority. All of a sudden, I think we don't have anything to say to each other. But now I, I'm okay with it. Like, he stays upstairs watching his TV. I'm downstairs doing my own thing. And I call him. Uh, you okay. call him with your cell phone? Yeah. From downstairs? From downstairs. <laughs> Not only call him, I text him. <laughs> okay, dinner is ready. Our food is on the table, something like that. That's the time we talk. One of the things they're talking about is traveling together in their retirement, or even possibly moving back to India, where they're both from, to do some volunteer work. But Uma worries about being too far from their two children, Hurry and Ashok, who are both in their 30s. Children are not children, they're men, but uh, it's 10,000 miles. We are close family, small family. You understand. Yeah. Second thing is, can we fit in there now? What I left there is not the same. I left it in a certain place, but that place moved with times. My husband feels comfortable, but uh-huh. thinking of moving, he doesn't bother him. I'm a grown-up person, I can do it, but doubts are doubts. When you've, when you've had moments of feeling restless or a little uncertain about what's next for you, do you feel comfortable talking to your sons about that? 
in a second uh-huh i can talk to them uh-huh. what do they say they listen uh-huh uh, they're always encouraging uh, as for some reason they both think especially hari he thinks i can do lot more he's always is the like behind me pushing me in doing things and he think don't waste time do this ma you can do this he's like my parent sometimes uh-huh. whereas ashok is a different person he wants me to do at at my pace where i am comfortable at i think he understands age and health better than hari but i i'm very good at covering up nobody knows whatever i go through at home or in my mind when you see me you never guess it even though something is eating me inside uh, i i in that way i am very private the children only know like they think they know ma i know about mom everything they don't know even 10% of who i am and my husband knows like 0%. For him like I'm a wife and wife who cooks and be there when I need to talk to her and I think I did justice to all the roles. All the roles. All the roles I have. A daughter, a sister, a mother, a wife. So now I need to add myself to into this role play. What Uma wants. You know, I think about hearing what you're thinking about now that you have time. Mhm. Um I just wonder like I what Arthur and I talk about with our little kids and our two full-time jobs. We we talk about being in the rapids. Like right now it's just like getting through it, doing what you need to do day to day so everyone's taken care of and things are getting done. Yes. Um looking back and thinking about like where I am in my life with the two little kids and Do you have um Did you find where did you find those little pockets of time? You don't. Yeah. Is that okay? That's okay. You make that pocket for yourself while walking the kid to the school. While cooking your body works at the kitchen, but your mind is working somewhere else. Uh Uh, that's how i survived i think where you are at i'm not jealous of <laughs> that's the toughest in your life for next decade yeah is most productive fulfilling happy and very tough this is a difficult time for you and happy time both yeah both yeah <laughs> That's Uma Kandabolu. She and her husband are traveling to India this August, but she says she's planning to be back at home in Queens, New York later this fall. Death, Sex and Money is a listener-supported production of WNYC Studios in New York. Our team includes Katie Bishop, Annabelle Bacon, Emily Botine, and Andrew Dunn. Our intern is Emily Nadal. The Reverend John Delore and Steve Lewis wrote our theme music. You can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Death Sex Money, and you can follow me on Twitter at Anna Sale. 
And if you aren't signed up for our newsletter, you are missing out. Sign up at deathsexmoney.org slash newsletter. Uma has just started writing short stories, but that's not the only thing she's writing. I have this habit of writing after reading a book. What is plus in it? What is minus in it? How oh, this character is too loose and this girl is perfect. You said loose? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uma's book report. That character is too loose. <laughs> I'm Anna Sale, and this is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC.